Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening? Okay. A rascal. I'm slowly taking over the intro. What's happening? weirdos. <laughs> God, I'm so tired. Sorry, if this podcast came out a little bit late, it's because I was a, a goofus majoofus and I, I forget to send this to Katie uh, on Tuesday night. So maybe it came out a little late on Wednesday morning. Uh, apologies to all. Uh, this is Mike Birbiglia interviewing me. I'd like to point out that was his idea. It sounds like my idea, but it was his idea because he wanted to talk about um, crashing. When is crashing air? Um, on Sundays at 10.30. She didn't know. I almost said February 19th. Oh, yeah, that's how that was the premiere. Please watch Crashing uh, either Sunday nights at 10.30 on HBO, or you can watch, I believe you can still see the pilot on HBO.com for free. You can also watch all three episodes on HBO Go, HBO Now, and rerunning on regular HBO. This is the crunch time, I suppose we could say, meaning I, I, obviously I want to keep my uh, dream job and, and make a second season, so ratings and views and stuff help a lot, so please tune in if you can. Uh, a couple other small things to plug, store.petehomes.com has every t-shirt and sticker and mug we've ever made, like, oh, the one we did, damsels did it, do it, they're damsels. That's a popular one. It's popular. It's popular with me too, I love it. I also enjoy it. It's in my, like, regular rotation of T-shirts. I appreciate they have a row T-shirt. <laughs> row T-shirt. You know what row I'm trying t- to do. Row T-shirt. Row T-shirt. Row T-shirt. Anyway, uh, Gilda's Laugh Fest in Grand Rapids. I'm going to be there Saturday, March 18th at the Fountain Street Church. It's going to be a Pete and Friends show, which means I'll be hosting and doing lots and lots of time, but also bringing up some guests. And we also have a wonderful sponsor uh, with our friends at CISO. I have a question. Val? Yes? What would happen if my brother, my brother and me, were to turn their popular podcast into a TV show? I have no idea. Yeah, well, you'd have to sign up for CISO if you wanted to find out. Here's why you need to sign up. We're, we're signed up for CISO. Yeah. We did it for Take My Wife, Rhea Butcher and Cameron Esposito show. There's also, it turns out, a number of wonderful things to show. Uh, they have an array of hand-picked, ad-free, and on-demand comedy. It's basically like a one-stop comedy streaming service. You can watch Next Day Late Night, stand-up specials, and binge-worthy classics like SNL, Monty Python. Are you a Monty Python person? Yeah, I was in high school. Yeah. You know, like when you're trying to be quirky and a different type of girl? Yeah, and you're just like, <laughs> I say me too. And then still no one wants to, you know, hold your hand. Oh, yeah, especially they don't want to hold your hand. <laughs> I would have held your hand. Uh, so they also have a new series called My Brother, My Brother and Me, as well as animated fantasy role-playing game starring Dan Harmon, one of my favorite uh, podcast guests ever, and a fake reality show uh, by the geniuses behind Comedy Bang Bang and Reno 911. Access CISO anytime, anywhere on iOS, Android, Apple TV, just three ninety nine a month. No joke. It's only three ninety nine a month. No joke? No joke, three ninety nine a month, and that's not three hundred ninety nine dollars a month. That's just three. That's like four dollars wow. minus a penny a month. It's like if your grandmother gave you a check for three ninety nine, it wouldn't even be worth going to the bank to cash. That's right. It's so insignificant. Yeah. It's like less than a penny a day. 
That's not true, but let's just use that. Uh, so what are you waiting for? Go to seeso.com right now and sign up for one month for free with promo code WEIRD at checkout. This is the best offer CISO has going on right now. One month of laugh your ass off comedy free. Just use promo code WEIRD at CISO.com, promo code WEIRD. And of course... I always like to give a shout-out to Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. This is my original Pete's pick, and it is for a reason. I get, I seriously get uh, fan mail every day about Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. I'm a little bit jealous. Yeah, it's getting all the attention. Keep it about me, please. Yeah. But I just got an Instagram message today that was like, this really helped with like travel discomfort and anxiety. This is something that makes traveling easier and better for me. Mm-hmm. As I've said many times, if you're stuck in a middle seat, you take a little Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. I like the Everyday Plus. Mm-hmm. I also dabble in the Everyday Advanced. Uh, it, it just makes everything a little bit smoother. It gives you a glow, makes you happy. Makes I can't say it makes you happy. None of these, it's not FDA things. I'm telling you, it makes me feel happy, calm, and good. I use it on my hand. I have this weird thing called Deptrans contraction on my hand. It takes that pain away. It just makes life better. It's not THC, uh, which is the part of the hemp plant that gets you high. It's CBD, which is kind of the body uh, thing that that makes weed so wonderful. But it's just that, and there's nothing psychoactive about it, meaning you can read, hold a conversation, follow a movie. You don't wake up the next day and wonder why you bought ALF. Uh, the first season of Alf on your Apple TV. It's I, I, I like I did Conan today. Mm-hmm. I took it before Conan. It's not that sort of thing that makes you feel like you're inebriated. It just makes you feel good, clean, clear, calm, and under control. Neutrogena. <laughs> if you have a headache, a crick in your neck, whatever it might be, it's also caused me to drink less. I really enjoy it. Go to cwhemp.com/weird, and and you can be one of those people moved to write me on social media saying it changed your life. It always makes me happy. You get 10% off with promo code, one word, you made it weird. And Alpha Brain is the other one. I just did this event at USC, and people were coming up and asking me about Alpha Brain. And of course, I had some on me, and a guy just took them. He took them without water, just threw them in his mouth, because he, he always wanted to try it. And I want you to try it as well, because it makes my life so much better. I, I never go anywhere without it. Every jacket I have, it's in the pocket. Every shirt I have, it's in the pocket. It's in the car. It's in the house. I have some at my parents' house. I never am too far from my alpha brain. It's a nootropic, which is like a vitamin for your brain. It's all earth-grown and natural in a beautiful way. And I swear by it. For the past three years, three years, I just started talking about it, but I've been taking for three years. I have not recorded a podcast, done stand-up, written a script, meditated, or even done like weird lucid dream experiments without it. I always take like three, about 15 minutes before every podcast. So like you're about to listen to me on Alpha Brain. You're currently listening to me on Alpha Brain. It's not a stimulant. You know, it's 1045. I'm probably going to go to bed pretty soon because I'm an old, old man. So it's not like coffee or Red Bull. It's just something that helps your brain. I don't even know the science. I should, I should Google the science. But it just helps your brain function. It helps my brain function. So try it. Go to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you'll get 10% off. And please, guys, uh, as you'll hear in this episode, we talk at length about crashing. Please watch Crashing, Sunday Nights on HBO, or catch up on HBO.com or the other uh, online streaming HBO apps. Uh, it means a lot. The show is a dream come true, and I really am thrilled that so many of you like it. And I hope you like the ones that we have coming up. Good job, baby. I did it. You did it so good. I you want to eat popcorn and watch Shark Tank now? Yeah. <laughs> you earned it. <laughs> it's been a long-ass day, man. Yeah. You're such an impressive man. 
Well, I'm glad I'm glad this intro has taken a turn in my favor. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Guys, try a Pete's pick, watch crashing. Lots of love. Use use ad Valerie. G -g -g Get into it. <laughs> oh my god. I know. I, I wish I could take that one back. <laughs> we don't edit this podcast. And I liked it. Thank you. Get into it. All right, here we go. You want to just start it off? I'll tell you a funny. Uh, you're starting it like your stand up. Well, I'll tell you a funny. <laughs> Brody, stop it, buddy. I'll tell you a funny thing. Come here. To, to kick it off, first of all, congrats on the series. Thanks. Is it's that great. I finished it today. <laughs> what? Is that what oh, you don't want, like me sitting here? No, I like it a lot. I just want to know what I'm getting used to. Okay. I like it. I'm sitting about four feet from you <laughs> on a uh, L shaped couch. Yeah. We are sharing the, uh, the, the head and the toes of the L. Yeah, it is an L shape. I've never really considered that because the, the segment you're on is so small that it's like a badly written L. Well, I'm a comedian. I'm more perceptive than your typical person. And so you wouldn't know yeah. that. Oh, wait, no, no. You do this too? What do you? <laughs> you're a comedian as well. Wow. Yeah, no, so I'm also a Holmes. Come on. Oh, God. Don't you love when you notice something? Like I just saw someone last night and I was like, What's wrong? And something was wrong, but it was just in their eyes. And you feel like Houdini, emotional Houdini. <laughs> yeah. Did you see that list that you're the on the top fifteen Paste magazine? No. What is it? Pay fifteen what? Uh, best episodes of You Made a Weird. Mike Birbiglia, number three was oh, on the list. That's so great. Yeah. So we have big. We have our own big shoes to fill. Yeah. One of the funny things about this show is that you. It's like three hours long, and you often assume that I've listened to every episode. No, I do not. Like, no, you Katie, would. if you go, keep going. Sorry, I'm going to Roomba Katie. Keep going. And then hard left. Left. <laughs> now hit the lower right-hand circle button until it says off. Yes. Boom. She's turning the heat off, oh, so we'll right. be alert. So sometimes you'll be like... You'll be like, we'll be talking about something. And you'll be like, I talked about it on the podcast. <laughs> and I'm like, hey, dude, I don't, I don't have an extra three hours yeah. every week to you listen to do. every. You How do. many episodes I'm is this kidding. now? It's a lot of episodes. Three fifty. I love the podcast. I was just, I listened to two this week. I listened to the Bo Burnham, which I loved. Bo Burnham you number three was on the list. And as Shannon well. O'Neill, which uh, I loved. And Chris didn't Ge make the list. Chris Gethard. Uh, Chris Gethard made the list. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> That's all I'll do for all the rest of known time. Made the list. Didn't make the list. Oh it was a kind God. list. I which one of ours made it? Number the three. Third. Yeah, the oh, third. Cool. And they 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 complimented you for your uh, Pete Burns. Pete Burns, like oh burning my god, you. for burning you! Yeah, I'll try. I I won't try to burn you. No, you should this. try. No, I'm I, giving you what the people say. Well, no, my only burn that is a consistent burn is that you, and it's it's not even a burn; it's a charming quality. Is a that charm? you? <laughs> <laughs> you laugh, and then you laugh at your own laugh, and it gives the effect that there's people laughing. <laughs> but it's just you laughing at your own laugh. Yeah. You go, ha ha, ha! 
And he's like, what? I think it's just one person laughing, but it feels like an audience. We went to see my brother's sketch show last night. My brother has a sketch show in here in L.A. Oh, cool. from time to time. And uh, it's called uh, oh, uh, Men of Leisure, if you want to check it out in the L.A. area. Anyway, I went, and every time I've gone, there's a guy who laughs really, really loud. I don't really do it in public. Oh. It's a pot. You know this. You, I've been at your show, and yeah. you haven't been like, keep it down, Peter. Right. No, no. You Those do type it for of laughs, other people. You they, do it for yourself. Uh, they only happen. <laughs> You're like, you know, you've seen me at other people's shows where I'm not an adequate laugher. I laugh at my own jokes twice. I To get me real good, there has to be a direct ping pong. It's like watching sex or being fucked. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I'm not going to come by watching other people have sex. You need to fuck me. <laughs> I'm sorry, could you repeat that? <laughs> this is the new Pete Holmes. This Look, is not the Christian I'm Pete Holmes sorry. that I got to know seven years oh, ago. If you're a little uncomfortable that I didn't go with the heteronormative standard that I would be the man in the comparison. <laughs> I was the lady, and I was proud to be the lady, and I'm a squirter. Your <laughs> very funny. Your uh, your series is wonderful. That's why we're here. You yeah. very, very kindly off first of all helped immensely. With the show, thank you. For, I, I noticed because I finished it. I'm like, oh yeah, that I had. You, you know. had a hand in it. Yeah, small hand, small hand. Yeah, but, but small but little, hands yeah. are the hands of dolls, and how <laughs> precious are those to children? Is that, does that does that metaphor play through? That's a Rumi poem. Small hands are the hands of dolls. No, oh, okay. <laughs> I wish it were. Um, but you did. But you know what you were essential with is something that I don't is underreported is the kind of ethereal, strange pre-time when nothing is official. Uh, you know, the show is yes. not yet picked up, well, it was and I'm when, writing scripts. Also, and, it was when Judd wanted to make the show, but you guys hadn't sold it to anybody. Yet. That's right. So, and But it, and Judd's it, M.O. is to be like, write it, and then yeah. I, I write it, and then I like do another one, Schumer do another one, do another one. Exactly. Said, exactly. Hey, you should write this. And then keep writing. And keep writing. That's his keep thing. Keep rewriting He's and rewriting. I think he looks at it, I, I, I think I've picked this up from him, there's a level of comedic fitness and creative fitness yes. that you get into. So he's not like, this is Judd, not in a nutshell, but this is a big Judd thing. It's like, don't wait for someone to say, we'll buy it. Let's, let's almost, I don't think he'd phrase it this way, but let's get on getting on. Let's oh, do I, it. Yeah, he basically, he, he does soup to nuts, sort of the development process, all with the creator. Right. Which is great. And um, so by the time you guys had a script to take to, to HBO, you're pretty much ready to shoot it. Right. And but, kind of had an idea of where it was going. Yeah. Which, uh, but that's where you were huge was I would get on the phone with you and I call you mini Judd <laughs> because you can you have that similar sensibility. You know and, what I mean? And I'm slimmer. I mean, <laughs> Judd has put on so much. No, I'm just kidding. With full awareness, <laughs> he'll hear. <laughs> I, 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 no, I'll burn myself. The other day, my Netflix special trailer was on YouTube, and the first comment, God... Yeah, what did it God say? I saw. Me. God bless me for reading the first comment. I saw you was, tweet that you he saw. He really let himself go, and I was like, "How come people yeah. are keeping track of this?" I was. Proud. I never advertised myself as a looker. Ah, <laughs> that wasn't turns my. Out. It wasn't. It wasn't like Dane or something where I'm like, right. "I'm the sexy comic." Right, right, right. And then all of a sudden, it's like, "What happened to Dane?" Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. No, I'm. Uh, I'm I'd love about. to see a puffy old Dane. I know, like a who gives a shit Dane someday. Round. Sixty-six year old Dane. <laughs> 
<laughs> Who doesn't care? But you know, you Playing you don't funny mind. Bones. I remember that it took a couple of viewings, but one of my... Uh, it's funny, right? It's Imagining funny. a 66-year-old Dane playing Funny Bones. She's going back to the roots. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but, but, but you, you rip on yourself and don't think twice is what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. You make a joke about Gosh. your hair, which is a, a sensitive subject for dudes. Oh, God. It's yeah. like ladies... I guess it could be like ladies and hair, to be honest. It's like ladies are sensitive about their hair. We're all sensitive about different things, but isn't there some sort of joke... Well, like you have the same hair as your baby is what it is. I don't remember that. That's joke. in the movie. <laughs> okay. You don't need you don't need to see it again. Yeah. I'm telling you. And well, I was there's like, a lot of jokes at my own expense. I mean, I'm <laughs> yeah, but a it scene slips. where I'm shirtless and staring in the mirror sadly. I mean, it definitely yeah. I, I definitely You uh, were the real life Anomalisa. <laughs> you had yes. to just wipe the fog oh, away. Oh, we haven't talked about Anomalisa because no me gusta. I love it. Which part? The first part? The great part? The second part where he goes, and then the things you like don't last. Oh my goodness, you don't like that How second can half that, of it? it? I love Charlie Kaufman, so I okay? say this out of love. Oh, it's wonderful. I love Charlie Kaufman, dream yeah. guest. Yeah. But I don't mind being you on the record. you have him on here? He hasn't been on. I would love to have oh, him on. Oh, he would be a dream guest. He's yeah. a, no, he's a dream guest, yeah. Okay. But I don't mind being on the record because it's just not for me. What I, what I would like is is something... A little bit different, and I could be wrong. Then, have you noticed that you fall in love with somebody and then they just turn out to be another fucking person? Mm. Like, I don't need you're older than me, you're wiser than me, you're a genius. Right. Hit me with something that I wasn't expecting. That's you know what I'm saying? It's also a bummer. Maybe I didn't like it because it's a bummer. Well, his last two movies are quite. Um I don't even know how to describe it. I wouldn't say bummer. Connect the other one. Connect the. I like Connect. I love. I love. I'm telling you, I love Charlie Kaufman. Movie. Charlie Kaufman is a national treasure. I completely agree. If people haven't seen the last two Charlie Kaufman movies, Anomalisa and Synecdoche, do yourself a favor and see them. I'd also like to say that in the first half of Anomalisa, which I love, I was weeping in the theater, like just at the loneliness. Oh, the, it's wonderful. The pitch perfect yeah. loneliness of it. But wait, I just and, didn't and without like the giving it of. without giving it away. Don't you think that the vocal work of the film the, is brilliant? Yeah, I get it. Like it's. It's very, very smart and emotional. Michael, I'm going to throw this your way. Okay. It's very likely that I don't like it because it touches a part of Too me that's very home. cold and sad. And, yeah. And when you have a mood... Like, I think that's one of the things... <laughs> I have a joke that I did. Yeah. I've been playing the Irvine Improv this week working out the new show. And I, yeah. have, a, I have a joke that's like too close to home, but I, li- I actually yeah. enjoy what it is sometimes. It? It's... Um, it's uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm forgetting a super joke. I go, I go. Uh, Have you done my joke? I go. I get. Yeah, that one works. I don't do P90X. I'm I'm pre 90X. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm. I I look like someone who's just about to start P90X and then doesn't. I I call it pre 90X. What you do is you buy an elliptical machine. And then eat rice with ranch dressing on that's it. That's so funny. So that's the end of it. But you yeah. wrote the pre-90X Yeah, I, I wrote that. arguably the worst part of that joke. No, no, that's wonderful. It's wonderful. That, my contribution to that joke is the vine that takes you from the great part to the next great part. Well, no, my thing was just like, you know, because I'm a dad and, and uh, now I'm, and I go, <laughs> I go, I go, you know, I had the kid and, uh, and I get why dads leave. Um, so I'm not going to do it. That's why I'm comfortable saying that. Yeah. But, it, you know, and I know that this might hit close to home if your dad left. But what I want you to know is that he didn't leave because of you. 
He left because you exist. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it really is like in the room, like people looking around like, is this what? <laughs> you know what I might, can I throw this? It's not, he didn't leave because of you or your personality. Because your personality. I it's actually just, said personality okay. last night. I actually there said, go. it's not because of your personality. It's because, because you exist. You because exist. Because of your existence, he is a father. Right. It changed what he is and that's why he left. It's yeah. a sad thing. I'm not going to address it again. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. What, leave? Yeah. The never leave. Yeah. You don't do that. Uh, you and I have a similar background. It's like our parents are married. Unfortunately. Uh, st- yeah. <laughs> like still. And you're like, really? Speaking of jokes. Still going? 55 you know, years? It's funny. I've been spread so thin doing the press. that. So the, but, that but to, which is all to say, like, I wouldn't leave because that's all I know. All I know is you yeah. stay. Yeah. I understand. And you're trying to make it work. But anyway, and you address that in your show really lovely, in a oh, really lovely way. That. I love, that's probably my favorite episode, although I will say today I watched, uh, and I'm not going to give any spoilers. And if I do give spoilers when we talk about this, because we're talking about Pete's series crashing on HBO today, uh, <laughs> which is the first episode is available free on HBO.com. What's that? Oh, and the second's the available second's free? The second's also on HBO.com? Yeah, I think it's on You oh, watch okay. on HBO Go, you mean? Yeah. That's not HBO.com. But it's not free. The second one's free on HBO. First one's free. I'm hung up on the wrong issue. Thank you for watching it. I'm on yeah. it. But it's not the second episode you have to subscribe to something. But if, I, if I'm going to say a spoiler, people are listening to this. <laughs> if people are listening to this. Oh, uh, yes, you are listening to this. Um, <laughs> we can affirm you. You are uh, yes, listening. You are definitely this. listening. We, other, it's the other people who are the problem. <laughs> um, is, uh, is, uh, I, if I am going to say a spoiler, I will, ta- I will mention it beforehand. But I may say something in the course, course of the hour. Or, you know, okay. Hour and hour. But I've watched the whole series. And my, th- my favorite episode is, is the one with the parents. Parents. Your parents. And then the final episode. Oh, you like the finale. I love it. That was if people are watching the series and you like it or you love it, keep going. I yeah. think it gets better, and I think it gets uh, even more uh, exciting to, to see sort of how it lets out. Yeah, Brody, it's Valerie. Brody, <laughs> it's okay. He's excited hey, for Mama. Hey, Hi, Hi. Yeah. Shush. Brody, 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 Brody. Come here. Shush, shush, Wait, shush, shush. that's a real dog. <laughs> Lay down, buddy. Come on, buddy. Lay down. Come on. I thought it was a statue. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, my love. Hi. No, it's okay. We're just two friends talking. How are you? I'll give you a hug. Congratulations. I I feel like I haven't seen you since the big news, which did you break it on the podcast? Oh, yeah. We we talked about it. Okay. Thanks for listening. Um, Valerie, (laughs) wear shoes in the kitchen because I opened it in our overstuffed fridge. Went to the grocery store, not to brag. Uh, the dill spears shattered, and there's glass everywhere. Not the dill spears. <laughs> yeah, and it's. You know, they did look really good. I'll be them glassy. You, you said not to brag, and um, the show, doing the shows this week with me with Beth Stelling, who writes for Crashing, yeah, is a brilliant comic. Yeah, and she said that you guys both, when you were on tour with the Crashing tour, you both have a not to brag line. In your oh, do we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so funny. Not to brag, and we were talking about how in stand up, it's funny because a lot of people go, "You stole that from this person." It's like some things just are the way people speak. Yeah, so and some things are also just the way that comedians speak. Yeah, some things are it's just like, a, a turn of it's phrase. Common it's law. Com- yeah, it's common law to go. Here's a common law joke. And then I walked up to the, and then I'm having this fantasy. Like, I should go up to the bouncer and be like, excuse me, sir, who the fuck do you think you are? Blah, blah, blah and this big long thing, and then go, or whatever. 
Like that's a right. thing that we all do. Right. We call it alt hack. Yes. And I, I have some alt hack. I actually alt-hack invented lines. that, but it's okay. Uh, you did <laughs> not, did you? No, but I have an or whatever line from my first album. Or whatever is a great joke. Yeah. And or so is a nice joke. not to brag. Yeah. So you, I say I got in an elevator not to brag. Yeah. And it's a newer bit, so you kind of pepper the. I'm not saying I'm going to lose it, but it's, it's, you know, it's not like my favorite part, but you're trying to give the new jokes some, some supporting buttresses. So you throw in these little uh, surefire things. Oh, so this is the thing I was going to lead with, and I think we're like 25 minutes in now, so it's not leading with it. But um, I don't think it's been 25 minutes. Uh, I texted a couple of people. <laughs> um, First of all, I asked a few people sort of questions to ask you since I'm interviewing oh, you fun. for this podcast. And Judd said, ask him what he's learned about acting and writing and love. Oh. I think that's a great question. That is a great question. We could spend the whole podcast um, talking But about let's that. get back to that one in a second. Sure. But the, because the humorous thing I thought when I whew, was leaving the hotel to come here. Was Amy Schumerus? Well, no, I texted Marin. Oh. And... I just said, interviewing Holmes for his own podcast. Do you have any questions for him? Asking a few friends who he admires. Hope you're well. Congrats on the CNN thing. What's the CNN thing? Like top 50 comics of all time or something in Maryland. Wow, that's great. They're doing a big comedy thing on CNN. It was great. That's awesome. He wrote, ask him where he got that fucking idea and why he's devoid of original ideas. (laughs) And I wrote back, do you want me to? <laughs> what you Be- should have said, right? Because it was nothing, right? Because it, well, because it, because it's like, what well, does he mean? The idea for the TV show? Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Or maybe interviewing you because I interviewed him for his podcast, oh, two hundredth episode. That's what he means. I'm not so sure. Um, Why don't you text? I'll him? tell you the rest. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> you can cut this out if you want. No, I love it. It's not you called. Want, you made it casual. Do you want me to? And he says, sure. And they said, oh, ha, okay. Also ask him why he thinks I find you both annoying. Well, he, you know, he unfollowed me on Twitter. <laughs> <this one. laughs> that happened to me about a year and a half ago. Um, I, I don't check if people follow me on Twitter, but I did go to his profile and it did make my heart break a little bit. Because uh-uh. I do admire him. Me too. And too, yeah. doing WTF recently, I was more like nervous. Like I was like, all I do is podcast, and still I go and talk. And it's not the numbers or the or the you know the allure of the show and the and the press it gets, but it's like, yikes! I want to do well for Papa Marin. I wrote, congrats on everything. It's well deserved. And he wrote, you too. And I wrote, really? That's very funny. <laughs> You're really staying on him. And then, I, and, and then he said, you can ask both questions with a sort of, oh, that's Marin tone. <laughs> I, think, I think we did. Oh, that's Marin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but when I sat down with him, you know, it's funny when he released the episode, he and, said. Oh, this is kind of a funny ending capper. He said, but I'm glad you're doing well. And I wrote, you didn't ask if I'm doing well. That's really funny. You know, oh, Mike. Oh, that's Mikey. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, um, <laughs> but he said that thing about you being an original, I actually think one of the things about the show that I really enjoy is that it's fundamentally, I enjoy most is it's fundamentally you. Mm. There's a lot of people who are swimming in the same, uh, pond right now sure. in terms of, I made a movie sleepwalk with me. That's 
in the world of stand-up comedy, Louis obviously made a very famous series about it. Aziz has a series. I think in Aziz's series, he's a comedian. He's an actor. Oh, he's an actor. But um, yes. And, uh, Similar. I, I, Martin I, I, Marin's series, he plays a comedian. Maria Bamford has a series, she's a comedian. Yeah. All of these, I think, are perfectly uh, respectable shows. Sure. Um, and, uh, and yet, your show, it's different. From those, and, well, and I and I admire. Do you that. remember when you had me over uh, to your place and you introduced us to Ira Glass? I do. I just broke some glass in the in the. You just <laughs> broke some... in the kitchen the pickles. <laughs> Did you? Oh God! Yes, I told you to keep shoes on. Anyway, oh, oh I didn't tell you. Don't go no. in the kitchen. I said it to Val when she came in. The listeners know this because wow. they're listening. They're very perceptive. I don't know if you're a comedian. I didn't hear that. That's a good callback, but. <laughs> But 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 Katie didn't laugh, so the audience decides. Yeah, that's true. Bro, um, Brody's laughing. Inside. But but I did not hear you. Did you notice the pickles thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah wow, yeah, yeah, I must have missed yeah, yeah. that. That's okay. It's just but, your foot safety. <laughs> anyway, Ira Glass, I was very proud of this because again, talk about dream guests. I'm not saying that uh, just to call back Charlie Kaufman. Ira is definitely a dream guest of mine. Yeah. I love him to death, and he, you, because you cross pollinate your friends you share your famous friends and i'm not me i'm not saying me to him i'm saying him to us obviously we come over and i told the story of my manager who's dave rath who is very helpful and very encouraging but when i was starting a podcast said everyone everyone has a comedian talking to comedians podcast what will make yours different Mm -hmm. and i said because it'll be fucking me Mm -hmm. (laughs) and ira glass applauded and it meant so much to me i think i added the fuck for this version but oh wow and that's when you told him that story he applauded he applauded oh that's in your kitchen oh that's it meant so much to me because he's a guy that knows oh you're gonna have he's real man by the way we should but you're gonna have a radio show where you you do like kind of local interesting news story it's like get in line right but it'll be him curating and get in line studs turkles in the corner Um, the, I don't even get it. Ira, but I Stud like the Circle name. Was kind of the original, was kind of the original radio documentarian. Oh, he's so like, he's. The, I'm picturing leg, sort of a radio documentarian legend from Chicago. Oh, yeah. I'm still picturing Spuds McKenzie like a dog, but for Merlot. Stop, stop. for Merlot. No, no, stop. It's a funny bit. You <laughs> do you get it you, for Merlot? Spuds McKenzie was for Bud Light. Studs, whatever his name is, stop. is the dog for Merlot. And berets. <laughs> I stand by my bet. Laughed at your laugh. I love my laugh. Um, <laughs> so go on. Oh, but but uh, a little shout out to Ira and Judd. Yep. Ira, in some ways, is my act one. Is to me what Judd is to you, father and, figures. And I, well, Judd is. <laughs> I, I will point this out. Um, people don't. I think sometimes people don't realize this about Judd Apatow because he is such a mogul of entertainment that he and comedy and is in the history of comedy in this really uh, 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 concrete way and powerful way is that he's a very generous person yeah and that you know it's like your sh- he produced your show he brought it to hbo he didn't have to i know you know it's like he brought, Le- he brought, Le- he brought lena's show yeah. hbo girls he didn't have to yeah, yeah, yeah you know like funny it, thing about that pitch they were sitting on tiny furniture hit it what pitch Okay, forget it. <laughs> oh, oh! Funny thing about when they pitched girls, girls yeah, they, they were, were sitting, sitting on tiny furniture, furniture in yeah. the meeting. I'm trying to punch up the story. Wow, <laughs> I punched it down. 
Oh, God. Of course he's generous. Don't you think he's uh, <laughs> known as that guy? That, no, no, he's not yeah. as generous. But I think sometimes people, there's a difference between, like, you know, people go, oh, Jimmy Kimmel's a cook. And then you're like, no, 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 Jimmy Kimmel really can cook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're like, like, it's not, like, it's not just a magazine article when right. they say he can cook. Like, right. motherfucker can cook his own pizza from scratch. Right, right, right. Make his own lasagna. Here's what I think is the Jimmy Kimmel can cook of Judd Apatow is that I can't say it enough. The reason why his projects have a through line and have a similar feel yeah. is because he's involved. I always thought pr- that producers were someone that you were happy or lucky, rather, to get on the phone. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, Judd, we're doing the scene. I don't know what to do. Judd had already gone through the scene. Judd had yeah. already rewritten the scene. And yeah. Judd had already like picked my belt for the scene. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, would be like, I don't know if this belt's right. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, would be there. Wait, in, was Seinfeld involved with uh, this show? I don't know if this belt's right. <laughs> He was there every single step of the way, and that's what I think might surprise people. Yes. And I've said in many interviews, I'm like, we're, I'm the ingredients, and everybody in the show is the ingredients. And Judd really is kind of – he's the chef. He's the one that goes, we need to tone Pete's religiousness down here, or we need to turn it up here, or yeah. whatever it may be. Brody, get out yeah, of there, there's Yeah, there's a reason why he made Freaks and Geeks, and he made – Freaky Geeky. Which show is that? Freaky Geeky. That's not a show, I don't think. It's just what we're going to call Freaks and Geeks, if you don't Why mind. would you do that? It's a classic show. Everybody knows the real name of it. I call the Wonder Years the Wonder Years, so oh, Freaky Geeky. You do? I do now. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yes and this bit. They were sitting no, on, the on tiny furniture. On the in the yes ending of the bit. Yeah, no, I loved it. Uh, tiny uh, furniture. But- <laughs> <laughs> that joke is horrible. I know, but it's better if you picture them trying to sit on tiny antique chairs. See, I can't do everything for everybody. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You're like imagining Chris Albrecht trying to sit on like doll furniture. <laughs> now you're Mike Birbiglia. You're you're better. You're better. <laughs> um, the uh, we were talking about Judd and Ira. Judd and Ira, and he said that. Oh, you said what's the difference between podcasts and other podcasts? Was comedians talking about comedians? And you said fucking me. No, I did. I added fucking for yeah. you. Think but, fuck, um, but don't say it. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I would say it would be me. And, and the, yeah. the issue that I, here's, I have a theory about this. I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Why comedians? Here's why, in my opinion. One, they have an excuse to be believably funny. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other Unlo- shows, unlike the Gilmore Girls, for exactly. example, where they're very witty. And why you're like, Wait, but how come they're so witty? Never address. That's why we love Curb. It's like it's Larry David and there's Richard. And Gilmore Lewis. Girls is great, by the way. I'm not saying it's a bad show. It's yeah. great. I'm not really into it, but it's too fast-paced for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, one, they have a believable reason to be funny. Right. Everybody, even if your wife is leaving you, you'd be making some jokes. Sure. So that helps us. Two, no matter what your dream is, everybody's hope out of existence is to have their insides, their thoughts, and their feelings brought outside and be celebrated. Right. So the so plight the of the why comedian so many, is the plight of everybody. Right. It's the reason why they sing in musicals. It's the reason why there's voiceover in films often. You need to understand what's on the inside That's in right. order to care about what's on the outside. And the comedian, like in a good Sopranos episode, can go on stage, certainly, but he's also expected to be mildly narcissistic, overindulgent. And my dad doesn't sit around with his buddy and really like lay it all out mm-hmm. like like a yard sale like mm-hmm. here's the insides of me but comedians do so even if you're a dentist or a teacher which is show business let's be honest or a writer or an architect it doesn't matter or a cook you can watch somebody who's not good becoming good and pour yourself into that empty vessel of a comedian and thankfully it'll be funny because and we all, we all love funny yeah. you know what i mean so that's why i think 
not only is my show not like, why do we have another uh, late night show with a white male host or whatever, which which can be an issue for sure. Yeah, it's 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 a welcome addition. I hope because people are like. Yeah, it's just like Homer, quote unquote, works at a power plant. Let's just get to the goods, you know? I agree. And I think that that one of my favorite things in the show is, you know, your relationship with your parents. Yeah. Your relationship with your ex. Well, can I tell them what you said? Well, well, yeah, sure. When I was writing the script called Parents 105, I told you the hardest thing that we shot. I've kind of joked that the bombing was the hardest, and that was probably a tie. But psychologically, the most difficult thing to do was to cast people that were similar to my parents and then be at a dinner with them. Spo- By the way, I warned, spoiler alerts. I don't know if this is a spoiler. Okay, Is it that we go to dinner? Yeah, maybe if maybe skip ahead three or four minutes if you, <laughs> if you really want everything to be a surprise. If you don't want to know that. I don't wanna, I'm not even going to say what's happening, but everything that mom and dad said in those scenes is inspired by what they really say. Yeah. My mom said, I love that joke X, Y, Z. And I go, mom, you said that 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's crazy that I'm really putting. So here's a guy who kind of looks like my dad acting like my dad. Here's a woman who is definitely acting very much like my mother. And, and then there's a woman who's not really like my real ex-wife, but she's playing my wife, you know, a wife character who's unhappy it was like Black Mirror rolled into Twilight Zone, yeah. rolled it, and it took a while to get over it. Like it was not normal acting for me. It was it's, beyond surreal. Well, it's also very, without spoiling, it's very involved. <laughs> well, this is what I was going to tell you. You told me something that I think is wonderful for writers. You told me to write out the mission statement. On of the episode, the, the the heart of the episode in one sentence on a piece of paper, and I taped it to a, a swiveling swivel chair in my little office at at Apatow's. I was just typing in there a tiny little thing alone because I liked being alone and writing alone. And every time I lo- got lost, you were like, "Every scene needs to serve the thesis." And I forget what it was, and that's a shame because it was something like Pete wants to be honest with his parents but he's afraid they won't love him mm-hmm. or something like that. Something really basic. Yeah. Pete is afraid he will lose the love of his parents through this divorce or something yeah. like that or whatever it may be. Yeah. And every time I wrote a scene that might've been cute or fun or silly or whatever, and there's times for that. I would go back to like, how does this address the the main thing? And that was a Berbiglia. That's why you're, you... that's why you're mini Judd. Oh, thanks. The, uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take Mini Judd, <laughs> but uh, you know I think you would agree you're similar dudes and you're like what because that's the Gary well he Stanley and I certainly thing. have a similar and aesthetic what we we love very similar things we yeah, both love James L Brooks movies can I also we say love, yeah I, I'm the I'm the only person movies, I know that loves you know? Spanglish by the way oh, I love Spanglish are you I'm kidding me the guy that loves Spanglish no, no one you're loves not Spanglish. no you're not really you know Spanglish is America's hidden secret favorite movie <laughs> there's there's a secret handshake of people who love spanglish oh my god and we all and go, it's a burger with an egg on it exactly and a dark dark beer we, we slip a burger with an egg in, in it through someone's mail slot and they come out and they go yep spanglish but uh <laughs> it's so good it's great you know i i one of my first conversations with lena dunham uh we i go 
Are we Lene, talking to James Lene L. Brooks? Leanie Duns. Please don't. I'll write don't to, do this. Write to her face. Don't do this. I've called her Leanie Duns. She loves it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> don't do this. We're talking about with one of the first times Lena and I ever or met, like years ago, we were talking about James L. Brooks movies, and she's like, I even like Spanglish. Yeah, and see? I was like, me fucking too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but that's a that's a thing that a lot of people you and I, Lena and others, Spanglish is good. Yeah. Sandler's great in it. Yep. Um, the other actors are great. The movie is good. I, and God, you know, not be it for me to criticize anything about James L. Brooks. I think the guy's one of the great geniuses of, of film history. I think that it's mistitled. I don't, oh. think that the, I don't think the film actually has anything to do with the merge of Spanish and English. Yeah, interesting. And as a result, I feel like you keep looking for that meaning within it. And then you're like, oh, it's not there. Right. And then you see it again. This is my experience. I saw it a second time. And I go, oh, it's got nothing to do with Spanglish, but the movie's great. Ah, the story is wonderful. That's funny. I, there, uh, there are other movies. I just had one that I was trying to think of. Titles are everything. Oh, Wanderlust. I think Wanderlust is a kind, of, a kind of confusing title. Wanderlust could have been movie. called The Commune. You know what I mean? Yes. And then I think so. One of the when Judd did my podcast, the podcast live at South by Southwest. When I first met him on stage, one of my questions was, "What happened with Wanderlust?" Because it's one of my favorite movies of yeah. all time. And he so funny. I think David I'm, Wayne is a genius. And I agree. It's brilliant. I might be misremembering, but I think Judd hypothesized that it might have had something to do with the title. Mo- most people, I don't think, because I don't think I knew the term Wanderlust when that movie came out. I was not familiar with the term. Yeah. Oh, I just got to get out there. And is that really what it's about? It takes place in two locations. <laughs> right. No, I... I Not I, a lot of wandering. No, you're right. And, and actually... So there's to, about to, as much Spanglish that point, Spanglish what, as wandering I, and wanderlust. You might correct me. You pitched Crashing to me, which is, I thought, immediately when you pitched it to me, I said, the title is wonderful. Hmm. Because the title is what the show is. Yeah, it's a person. It's got triple, quadruple meaning. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a person crashing in life. They're collapsing. Yeah, they're falling apart. Yep. psychologically, emotionally, on um, stage, their marriage is crashing. Yep, uh, they're crashing on people's. He's, you're crashing on people's uh, couches and yeah. beds, and it just feels like similar to the thing of like what's the sentence that describes the whole episode it's like what's the word that describes every single episode is crashing yeah. that's oh, that's, the, great. That, that's the through line you know i don't think we did talk about that because i've been waiting for <laughs> for a compliment on the title because i guess you're always a little bit insecure you're like is this the right title oh, i think it's a wonderful title i, I love that it doesn't have your name in it yep <laughs> well no no i i, I just thought you were giving a, that burn. a burn how could it even have Pete Helms is crashing? No, I'm just saying like <laughs> I feel bad like you're taking it like a burn. I'm saying like oh, I thought it was funny. Yeah, no, I it's but I'm not trying to be funny. I'm trying to be <laughs> earnest. <laughs> Which is my signature. <laughs> um, is your want. No, but it, it no, I think I think if it had your if it was, you know, like Seinfeld's like Holmes or or you Oh, know what I, mean? I see. What that, that's what I mean. I it's, see. it's not Holmes and then you're just yeah, like, it, well, what does that mean? I think that was one of the things going to Judd's question a little bit is there was something very fun about going this show and doing it with Judd 
was something that wasn't just a way to mainline me and everything that I like. You know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. like a Batman sketch and like an inter- and a long interview. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It was its own thing. It's definitely its own thing. And one of my favorite things about it is that you are not cool. Yeah. You know, I, I really, it's a personal thing. I can't stand the comedy of cool. Yeah. I can't stand it when you watch someone's series and you're like, how come they're never doing the wrong thing? That's they're really always funny. doing the thing that's a little awkward, but it's not like damning. Right, right, right. Like you, you are- well, take in the pilot where Pete says, are you from Syria? I thought we didn't let you in. That was a Judd line and a brilliant one because it was a moment where he yelled it out. Like he, he gave it to me, you know, and it was kind of like, are you willing to do full frontal? That was basically the, the question. It's like, are you willing? Not that it was that damning, but that's, a, that's an off-color joke. Mm-hmm. That's a bad joke. It's an offensive joke. Mm-hmm. But when comedians are bombing... They get they, worse. They get worse. And they Unless they're do- real burn, you get better. Ah, like that great, he he that, needs it. Yeah, he's yeah, like that, the masochist well, that no, shines. Well, no, that Philadelphia. Oh, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. That was a wild, amazing Some people are great in those situations. When I've bombed, that's typically when you'll do anything. It's like... My my ex-wife worked at a comedy club, and, and one time a comedian kind of heckled her in the heckling. So he was getting heckled, and he brought the, brought my ex-wife into it. And afterwards, he was like, sorry, it's like the zoo, and you walk too close to the cage. And like the claws – it's nothing personal. Yeah. And, I, and that's kind of one of those moments where in the writer's room, every time something came up where it was like, and it should be – and then maybe somebody does this. Uh, Oren Brimmer is very good at this. Judah Miller is very good at this, at being like – no, it should be Pete. Like it's Pete. Pete is the one that should humiliating thing here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that that's one of the things I prefer about Curb Your Enthusiasm over Seinfeld. For example, ah, yeah, is, interesting. Is, is that Larry is like wrong a lot? Like he's dead wrong. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, and, and I really enjoy and it. It's uncool. And, yeah, and Seinfeld is a little cooler. Yeah, Seinfeld is like. Just observing things. Yeah. Things are pretty funny. Did you even think about turning off yeah. the disposal? Like yeah. he's outside of it, yeah. commenting on it. Yeah. He's, like, my, he's a, in some ways, he, yeah, he's sort of the narrator of the show. One of my favorite Seinfelds, though, is when he goes into Kramer's apartment and the red lights turn him into Kramer. And they, they did a, 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 like a swap. Yeah. It's actually something that Mulaney and I talked about uh, about his episode. I was like, it was the first season, then they did a character swap too soon, oh. which which was an interesting talk. But anyway, they you know obviously yeah, yeah, heard can be episode. done to great yeah. success yeah. because Jerry becoming uh, Kramer. I really was happy for my. I always look at Seinfeld as the underappreciated secret weapon of the show, even though it's his show. Oh, he's wonderful on the show. Yeah. And I'm not criticizing the show. It's wonderful. I just no, I, lo- I love Curb because. It just makes you feel that pain yeah. of like, oh, like he's he's putting himself out there in this way. It's like it's fiction, but yeah, there's a lot of nonfiction in that. Well, you know probably. what's funny, and it's uh, it's an insight that you didn't ask for, but one of the things that made it easier as an actor, again, to answer Judd's question, it was almost like a cheat, was that like it was so real with my parents specifically, yeah, that it wasn't hard for me to plead with my mother or whatever it was, you know, like a lot of that was something that I didn't know was a thing, but was emotional riffing. I know about riffing where you add things that the writer couldn't know about the room or the situation or the way someone said a line or something. But here we were 
time and time again, Lauren's breaking up with me and I'm crying. And in between, not even takes, in the scene, I'd go, now tell me that if you really oh loved me, that you would still be with me. You know? oh and gosh. afterwards, Lauren was like, fuck you. Like, not in a real way. She was like, I'm so sorry. Because she'd have to say like the worst things to me over and over. She's so good, by the way. The She's casting amazing. on Crashing is extraordinary. It's all Judd. I mean, I'd like to say I, I did help, uh, but Judd was like, Lauren Lapkus. It was yeah, just Lauren like, is it was a no-brainer no for him. Lauren's phenomenal. The guy well, Lee, who Basil. plays Leaf is yeah. is phenomenal. That I was happy because I met George. He did this podcast. I tell this story. He was one of those guys I met at a party, and I was like, I don't get it. Meaning, why aren't you famous? Oh, interesting. Like you never yeah. see someone that is that good-looking and charming. That's also, I mean, like like Gethard funny. Not to say Gethard's not. You know what I mean. Like, that good of an improviser. Right. I'm just trying to say Chris is an amazing improviser. Right. So what is that? And then you, and then literally, talk about slow business, it must be like eight <laughs> years later, I was like... No one was talking about slow business. Uh, <laughs> like, is that from a conversation you were having earlier? Yeah, I say slow business. Talking about slow business. <laughs> oh, you mean when no one was? <laughs> You're going to be on the next paste list, Mikey. <laughs> Um, but <laughs> this episode should be called Slow Business. That's by the way. so funny. Eight years later, I'm like, I think I have something for you. You know what I mean? It's crazy. Which wait, if I'm you're sorry. George and so and, and not that he was waiting for me to ring his bell, but like uh, that's oh, how it was it eight years later. Eight years later, when I'm you like, met him. Hey, that guy at the party would be great oh, for this that's part. Great. That's and what then, I mean. Oh, that's talk wild. about slow business. Chipping away at the mountain. Wow. Of that, your you dream. know that's a great example of. Slow business. <laughs> you know, it's another great example of slow business. I pitched crashing. You love it. This episode. See this the episode. This episode is called slow business, and we and where we discuss business. crashing. Act one: slow business. That would be a good NPR title. Actually, I'm going to pitch that. Anyway, why would you pitch it? It's the title of what we're doing right now. <laughs> it's happening. I agree. Are you competing? With our episode of Slow Business, with, with another with episode NPR's of Slow, Slow Business? Business? It's just one act of an episode that's about pursuing dreams. Slow Business by Gil- Gimlet Media. <laughs> <laughs> we could do a podcast called Slow Business. We are. Don't no, I you mean, get it? I mean, instead of You Made It Weird present Slow Business, it could be Slow Business episode 509. <laughs> I don't think people want to listen to something about something that's slow. That's true. That's a good... Uh, see? Titles. Yeah. Crashing, good. Slow Spanglish, it. slow business. <laughs> these slow these business can take bad. you down the wrong path. Um, so what? So let's get to Judd's question, which is, what have you learned about writing and and love? You know what? And is, acting is a great Judd uh, lesson that I I really appreciated. Was I write quickly? You know this. I, I like to write quickly. Once the story is broken, that's a, a term that we use for outlined. Uh, once the story's broken, I can write it in two days. I can write it in a day, actually. I wrote the finale in a day. Wow. Uh, it, that was a nice situation where it was under the gun. I knew it was going to happen. And it's kind of like you see the light. At, it, no, that's not even true because we shot the finale in the middle. Anyway, you want it to be great. And we had a day. And I just really whipped it up super duper fast. And I've always been proud of that um, because I think that's a nice way to let your subconscious dominate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of really sitting around and grinding on it, I like flowing with it. And it's worked out so far. But by so, the way, by the way, I just want to point out that since I'm hosting the show today, 
um, I should be doing 70% of the talking. Oh, that is, it's 60 40. <laughs> <laughs> and my least favorite ones are when it's 80 20. People always give me shit where they go, You talked too much, you talked too much. And I'm like, Motherfucker, I'm aiming for 60 40. If it's 80 20, I wasn't happy either. If I'm telling some story I've told before, it's because I'm trying. I'm looking for them. Yeah. Damn it. Yeah. The be- Seth Rogen. Listen to that one. The motherfucker. And I said in the great way. Steamrolls me. He goes. Yeah. He then you don't even need two hours. I just had Reza Aslan on. He did ninety minutes. He came to fucking talk. Wow. The rest of the time you got to do sixty forty to get the diamonds. Yeah. Anyway, so as I love to brag about how quickly I can write, <laughs> Judd, we're doing this Google Hangout. And he really is brilliant, and he's a very good teacher to me. He says, I go like, and you know, I write fast. I wrote the pilot in two days, and I wrote this in two days, and I wrote the... And then he goes, how much of it survived? <laughs> Isn't that... Oh, I love it. It's, it really... I'm not... Look, I'm sorry to butter his bread so hard, but he's a hero of mine. That is the way you correct me mm-hmm. with a joke. Mm-hmm. You just go like, I... Look, because he's been so kind to me... He's made it clear that he's impressed that I can write quickly. But at a certain point, you go, buddy, we're all putting our bone marrow in, in, yeah. the, in the wood chipper. Oh you know God, what I mean? That's so funny. How much of it survived? How much did the actors improve the dialogue? Lauren Lapkus, in that yeah. episode that you like, Riff City, like really bringing a lot yeah. to it. George bringing a lot to it. Artie bringing a lot to it. Judd behind the camera yelling shit out. Judah Miller flying in a line. Oren Brimmer emailing me yeah. at 2 a.m. because he thought of it because he's working. He's well, that's working. What, that's, what, that's what people often don't realize about movies and TV shows that they like. That it's, you know, it's not just Pete Holmes and not just Judd Apatow. It's, it's everybody. It's yeah. everybody from your camera operator to your craft services to your gaffers to your... It's uh, a real thing. To your actors. We Every, have everybody, really Everybody's good... kind of a, a, a forming an organism that creates the thing. And that's what's fun about it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I didn't know. The Pete Holmes show felt more like you loaded up my backpack with a lot of twigs and raw meat, and I, I would carry it up to the top of the mountain. One show started. You know what I mean? This did not have that feel. This was like every step of the way... It was collaborative. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. Talk about Leany Dunn's. I was like, I think that might be the lifestyle creatively that works for me. It's not throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. It's taking the time to really get input, do table reads, do rehearsals, improvise on the day. And then in the edit, there's this final icing layer that you put on the cake. It's very deliberate and very personal. Mm-hmm. And it takes effort, you know, like... I love being silly, silly and doing whatever, like a vine where I'm just singing a song. That, that, I think that's very fun. Mm-hmm. But it was very fun to go the other way and go, no, let's really try. Mm-hmm. But it's way more vulnerable because if it sucks, you still have to keep doing press <laughs> and you have to keep making them. Look, um, Vanessa Bayer, uh, I asked her because she's on the show. Yeah. And is very funny on she's the show. Great. I won't give away what her part is, but it's a very funny episode. And she says... Does Pete still consider himself a devout Christian? If so, does that ever clash with his career as a comedian or inform it? <laughs> I think it does inform it. That's it. That's, I like that question a lot, and I get that question a lot. And it, not, not that specific one, but it's one of the reasons why I hope our show, Why Crashing, will work and continue to work. Uh, touch wood. There's a wood. 
is the idea that Pete is religious. Mm-hmm. It's like most other shows uh, where someone has an affair and cheats on you, the next scene is cocaine and, and strippers and, yeah. and having sex with a random person. And that's fine. I, I, I get those movies. Uh, but this is a story of a guy who's morally opposed or ambiguous or frightened of getting drunk, of doing drugs, of having sex. Like he really got pushed off the rails of his life and he could have seen, he saw them, they were so straight that he could see it all the way to the end of his life. It's yeah. like, that's how I'm going to be. And then he, and then they pull the crank and he switches tracks and now it's on the side of a mountain and it's precarious. I think that's make, what makes it interesting. But um, hopefully what makes, but what, where's your Christianity at? It's such an interesting thing. And I would love to see, <laughs> By the way, I, I, I want to point out one time I was broken down on the side of the road in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And, um, and this guy came and, and, stopped and helped us yeah it was like me and my friend ed and uh we're about five minutes into the interaction of he's like helping us like give us a jump start or something like that and he goes how are y'all with jesus oh boy isn't that great yeah did you tell him you know in that situation you're like oh we're great with jesus yeah 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 she asked me, am I a Christian child? I said, ma'am, I am tonight. I'm walking in Memphis. But, but, uh, We've but, all been there. I've, so I'm asking you that. I've where even are been you in with, situations where you, where you just kind of lean Christian yeah. to please an elderly woman or something. Yeah. <laughs> like in uh, Conan O'Brien can't stop when he accepts the prayers of the three sweet, I believe it's older black women that want to pray for him, and it's, it's very sweet. And I, I don't know much about Conan's spiritual beliefs, but I don't know if he would have done that normally and it's very i like those moments um anyway this sounds like i'm dodging the question but i I, obviously i'm not i love talking about this what i think is very interesting is i've gone from a place where i had an inherited faith Mm -hmm. where i really wanted some sort of vocabulary to understand the meaning of life the mystery of life even when i was young i really remember trying to put words to it. I would say, what is fire? And they'd be like, well, fire is this compound and this compound. And they'd draw on the chalkboard. And I'd be like, no, what is it? What I really meant is why is fire? Why is anything? Why, are, why, are there, why aren't there just random billions and billions and billions of molecules swirling around the universe like a mm-hmm. school of fish? Sure. Why should they take any form, right. let alone be me for now and then you later mm-hmm. and then you later and me? Now? All that fucking stuff is crazy to me. So obviously when my wife left me, um, the story goes, I lost my faith. But now I look at that as a very important step. Richard Rohr in in a book, Falling Upward, that really inspired me, talks about how in the Old Testament, Moses goes up and gets the Ten Commandments. And remember in the movie, he comes back down and he smashes them Mm because they're having like an orgy. He smashes them. And then Moses goes back up again. And then when he comes back, the story goes that his eyes were clear because he had finally seen God. So what Richard Rohr, and then I also agree, uh, took from that is the idea that your first faith is to be shattered. It's an essential part of Mm -hmm. the process. That makes sense. It's to be celebrated. And I'm not even saying you need to come back to Christianity Mm -hmm. or come back to whatever faith you were raised in. Mm -hmm. But for me, psychologically speaking, I found great emotional and psychological value in reclaiming the vocabulary of my youth. So it's no small feat to say in answer to this that I love Christ. I really do. And I don't think of it the way I did when I was young. I think of Christ, you know, that's not his last name, just as the way Buddha isn't his first name. Buddha means awakened one. Christ is the idea of the universal 
flowing energy through all things. And sometimes a person like Jesus, as the story goes, comes, and this is also Richard Rohr, that we might fall in love with and touch and have a point of focus to something as incomprehensible as the Christ. If you're just tuning in, this is Mike Berbiglia, and I am with a crazy person who just <laughs> wandered in from the streets. <laughs> you asked. No, it's... Uh, you understand, right? Oh, no, no. I, I relate to a lot of what no, you're saying. I have a new funny. joke I wrote. That I, I, when I say I'm writing jokes, so the earlier one, like, don't... People shouldn't think, like, that's done. That joke is done. I'm in the... Pro- <laughs> I'm on a tour right now of clubs called Working It Out. Yeah. Where I'm working on new materials. So where can we get tickets for that? Um, just on com, like my website, you could find whatever. I'm doing like 10 more cities. I love and it. And then in the fall, I'm going to take it to theaters in, in a more I'd love to form. come see it. But, um, but and I, yep. I think whatever, today, this comes out Tuesday, uh, my Netflix special, Thank God for Jokes. Oh, my is, goodness. Which is, of course, I proposed this conversation. Which I've seen many times. Comes out. Several times. Um, on love Netflix. It. But, but um, can I also say, we just had a great conversation where I, I was like, you are the master. It's not easy to do. What do you mean? Remember, I called you. I was just like, holy shit, man. I had rewatched it. I was talking about how difficult one-man shows can be. And I was like, oh, you are that's so nice. Thanks. the master. I, I, I don't know. It just struck me. I had a new appreciation when I rewatched some of your old stuff. Thanks. The, so people should go see this. Well, the, anyway, the, but the new joke is yeah. it, it, I'm saying is it's in process. Is when I, was, I was always skeptical. I was in Catholic school as a kid, even when I was 12. My teacher would be like, what, you know, I would say to my teacher, like, what is heaven? And she'd be like, heaven is whatever you want it to be. And I thought, like, that's just me masturbating. Because I didn't, I hadn't had sex. So that was like the greatest thing I could imagine is like this circle jerk with like priests and nuns and like my stuffed animals. And I don't want to teach that to my daughter. Feels perverse. Alan Watts has a great quote about how a chicken comes out of an egg, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the chicken, I'm paraphrasing heavily, the chicken doesn't come out of the shell and look back at it and go like, fuck you, shell, what were you for? Yeah. Every step of the way is to be lovingly and consciously discarded. Oh, that's and, interesting. And wherever it's you similar s- to what you were saying. You, it is a great episode, if people haven't heard it, with you, you talking to Shannon O'Neill mm-hmm. about her divorce. Mm-hmm. And you were saying that similarly, you guys were sharing the feeling of like, you shouldn't look back on a, on a divorce right. and, and go, well, fuck that. That's right. Those years. It's like, no, that was special That's for right. what that was. And your understanding of God is, in my opinion, very much like a romantic relationship. And I understand, as I'm saying this, I'm like, I sound like a person that has an imaginary friend, and I know that's what it may sound like. I have to insist that you have feelings and experiences and, and you, you discover new ways to quiet yourself in which that you taste just a glimpse of what you're actually talking about. Because when we talk this way, it really, it really, it flattens it out. I said on a, a, a recent podcast, what do you mean it flattens that'll it out? come out after this, that spirituality is the pursuit of music. Let's say it's music. Let's say God is like music, mm-hmm. like transcendence is music. It's Beethoven. Oh, right, right, right. By and putting then, words to it, we're, we're actually making it more boring than it is. But it's worse. I think it's actually even more removed. And this is going to be on Azhar Usman's episode, which is amazing. It's like you take music and you and you write it out, not like sheet music, right? And then you fax it to Uruguay. No, of course, of course. Then you photograph it's a one and it. One, yeah, more and more uh, pieces removed. It's a million from what it is times removed. It's so removed, right? And nut jobs to yes and your joke. I am with you. 
I can be out of my mind sometimes because I'm trying so hard to get beyond my mind. It's that don't believe everything you think thing. I'm a crazy person holding the facts that looks like a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox of a Xerox. It's gone. Mm -hmm. And I go, if I'm quiet enough, I hear music. And if an atheist or an agnostic, whom I love and dabble in from time to time, if they look at the sheet and say, that's not music, they're absolutely fucking correct. A hundred percent. Brains grading papers, you get an A plus, 100%. This is not music. The weirdos go, all right, this isn't music, but why, when I really work with it in ways that I, I learned from the people that came before me, why do I still get a glimpse of music? Why do I hear a little bit of music? So that's yeah. what, and if it's Christ that gets you there, or it's Buddha, or if it's atheism, it doesn't really matter. We all want to be floating in something that feels invigorating, true, and enlivening. I, I'd hope so. <laughs> See, this I, I is saw, why we do religion at the end because it's such a yeah. conversation stopper. No, it's 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 complex. I mean, one of the things I say in this new show I'm developing is I say that men are horrible. You know, one of the things that I worry about with raising a daughter is men are horrible. Yeah. And I not and I say not all of them. About fifty percent. Fifty percent are horrible. Fifty percent are decent. Decent mm. is. The ceiling, if you're a man. It's all you can hope to be. Good is off the table. Great is a fantasy. That's really you know who's great? great? Priests, football coaches, and political figures. And then you're, someone's like, I think he fucked a kid. And I'm like, exactly. <laughs> really funny. It's funny. I, I'm working out a bit right now about how most of male behavior can be explained by the fact that we have to get boners. Right. And I was like, we don't want to wear wraparound Oakleys or listen to Kid Rock or drive pickup trucks. We're just trying to get a momentum going. Yeah. <laughs> it's the idea that it's like, I'm a boner guy. I'm a big dick guy. I'm a big dick guy. I'm a big dick guy. Because the vulnerability of being in a sexual situation and your dick is like, bye. It's worse than, than the sum of its parts. It's, yeah. it's psychologically so damaging. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how we got here. You asked me Vanessa Bayer's question. Oh, yeah, you know, about religion, yeah. To, to take as host, we could also talk about Judd's question. I told you what well, I learned about writing. We yeah. could talk about acting. Well, well, the religion thing, I mean, to put a cap on it, uh, or at least to... To put a crown of thorns on it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> ridiculous. Do you go to church? Still? No. 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 But it's, it's uh, Richard Rohr calls things like church, and I'm not saying I'm there, but I'm already enjoying the benefits of a sentiment like this. He calls church, sacrament, any sort of um, liturgy, the dress rehearsal for the, for the real show, which is a constant communion with what is. And I, I'm like, fuck it, hey. Sometimes I need reminders and I need a little bit of ceremony. I'm, I'm not adverse to going to church, especially churches that aren't my faith. Yeah. I probably get more out of a, a temple or a mosque or a whatever, or a Quaker service where it's just quiet than necessarily going. I couldn't go to a mega church like the one I was raised in. I find it remarkable when you are so, um, you're so well versed in spirituality in all different types of spirituality. Mm. And I'm also struck by when you say that you wake up sometimes at five in the morning, four or five in the morning, and are struck with sort of anxiety. Oh, Is yeah. Is that safe to say? Oh, yeah. And I um, thought you were going to do a bit. I was ready no, for it. I'm not, it's not a bit. I, I'm just curious, like, what, like, where where do you think the anxiety comes from that's not expressed in the TV series or your act? Yeah, it's a great question. I look at it all the time. I know what makes it go away, you know, and I'm very fortunate to have found stand-up, 
podcasting, creativity in all of its forms. I'm never happier or more complete if I woke up at 6 a.m., wrote a script until 8, went back to bed till 10, then got up and go to brunch with my friends. That's the happiest Pete there is. Mm -hmm. And if he did a show the night before, get the fuck out of his face. He's the happiest, silliest boy you've ever known. I don't mean obnoxious. You know I can be obnoxious. I don't mean that. I mean good. Mm -hmm. He's fine in fact he'll be performing less because he's so satiated mm-hmm. and all of his itches have been scratched that all of this stuff that i just said by the way is almost sometimes contingent on me taking care of myself sometimes if i'm in a dark or anxious or depressed or whatever it may be place everything i just said about christ and buddha and all that stuff really makes less sense to me that's one of the things i find so then it becomes just words it becomes just words and i i've listened to and read things that i've written and i'm like this doesn't make sense anymore because i need to get into a certain flow to even hear the things that i've said before yeah i think that i think everyone can relate to that to some degree katie you can probably relate to that you read a book or hear a song or watch a movie and you're just like i don't know why this ever made me cry but here i am it's just that's one of the things that's interesting to me we're talking about how i'm here with pete holmes and we're talking about religion and how uh, (laughs) well at times i can feel so at one with everything yeah i can be i was at brunch today and i was talking to somebody and I just wasn't really there. And then I remembered, and then I was there, and I saw the woman that I was talking to as phenomena, as real, like, holy shit. Yeah. This thing that's also like me and like trees and like rocks and like water and like mm-hmm. air is talking to me. And yeah. I was enraptured by the conversation, that, not that, the content. That, that really cured me in the early 2000s. I had an extraordinary amount of anxiety where I, I felt like, I couldn't breathe. You know mm. that feeling where mm-hmm. you where you're like, I can't get a breath. And one of the things that helped me was when I read the four agreements. And one of the things in the four agreements is it says, see in other people yourself. Mm-hmm. And and just that act of that in some ways made my breathing problem go away. That's very interesting. Just everyone who you see walking down the street, everyone who drives by in a car, that's me. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And I think that's profoundly true. I lose that feeling all the time but that's what makes life like racquetball or golf it's like losing it is part of the game i think and remembering it is that good it's where the juice is because sometimes i used to philosophize about a god that would start reality where we're all just in union yeah you know what i mean and as alan watts points out what's the fun in that you know what i mean it's like that's that's boring as hell and if you have eternity at a certain point you're going to add variables to be like find me now that's right now i've had this thing with you know i'm 38 now and I've had this thing where the intensity of my career uh, struggles in my 20s has gone away that feeling of like I have to succeed I've had to succeed I have to succeed and it's been replaced by I have to work and then the work either succeeds or it doesn't Mm. but it actually has nothing to do with me oh interesting I'm glad you got there that's wonderful I've calmed down in those regards as well But to speak to what anxiety is, and I've said this on the podcast before, my anxiety when I hear its voice very clearly is, what if they get me? I don't know who they are. Really? You mean chasing you? Sort of fight or flight? Sort of who are these people? Who are these animals chasing? That's as close as I can get. It's not really, I don't have fantasies about people literally getting me, but it's the feeling of what if they get me. And I think if we dig a little bit deeper, a lot of times the anxiety is 
stems from, and as somebody who preaches self-love and practices self-love, it does come from like, shit, this fucking brain again. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's the wherever <laughs> you go, there you are. I mean, it's. Exactly. It, I mean, I with Marin texting me, I just felt like writing back, and I didn't write back, and he'll maybe hear this now, but I just felt like writing back. Well, tell Obama I said hello. That's really funny. You know what I mean? It's like it's like, come on, man! Like you're the most successful person. Yeah. Like yeah. you're like snapping at me and Pete. Yeah. Like. Well, what, when is Things it enough? Things are going great. And- I was at the Ramdas retreat, and David Nickturn, who's a, a, a very much a spiritual teacher to me, um, on a text basis. He travels so much, I travel so much, but we're we're buddies over text, and I see him a couple times a year. And anyway, I was at in Maui, and they were going to bring me up to speak, and it was Raghu Marcus, Duncan Trussell, Sharon Salzberg, all these great Jack Cornfield, just like a who's who of. Buddhism and Zen Buddhism and all these great things. Yeah. And I and they were gonna bring me up. And it was the last day and they're talking and you know how I am. I'm like, shit, I have a point on that. I have a point on that. I can't wait to impress them with this. And Ramdas is in the audience, right? He's in the audience, my hero of all heroes, the person that I that has changed my life the most. So I have this opportunity to in my mind, impress him and impress him with himself. Meaning I was gonna quote him something yeah. that sometimes at the Ramdas retreat I'm like guys Ramdas wrote about this why aren't we yeah <laughs> why are why are we still talking about this he said this he said this like I'm so good at quoting him then like a like a late night show I got bumped they just ended the show oh wow they just kind of ragu I think rightfully made the decision that it had been long enough and it was time to go and I was upset and uh you know being me I I believe in letting feelings out so I would say to people I'm going to be, not, not to them, I would say to Valerie or somebody, I'd be like, uh, I'm, I'm going to be upset for a second if that's okay. And then I just kind of rant, like, don't make me sit in the audience thinking about what I'm going to say, and I'm all nervous, and it ruined the day because I knew that show was going to happen, I was nervous about it all day, and then you just make it go away, I have blue balls, I'm mad. Anyway, I say this to David Nickturn, and he goes, how much is enough? <laughs> like, when is it enough? Like, not you're Pete Holmes and you have a TV show. He just means, I like saying, where are you going? Like, when I see people angry in cars, where are you going? It's like a nice, it's another way of saying, just be here. Sure. And he's saying, where are you going? Yeah. Like, what were you going to get that you don't have already? Which might be the greatest reduction of spirituality there's ever been, Mm -hmm. which is, what are you lacking? Mm -hmm. What is missing? I understand you need to have your basic needs met. Warmth, shelter, food, water, love. But at a certain point, you can just go, shit, I didn't need to do that. That was the great lesson. Yeah. And to you, when you have anxiety, seeing yourself and everybody around you, me, one of the things, again, we'll get to my anxiety, but the calms it is going, this is my teacher. If something's really annoying, I, I go, you're a good teacher. This mm-hmm. is, my dog is a good teacher barking mm-hmm. at Katie. As she comes in, whatever yeah. it may be. I mean, when you bomb, it's helpful information. On stage. Exactly. You go, okay, that's helpful. But hopefully, gentlemen like us at a certain age realize that it's the whole picture. It's not the game of gaining pleasure and avoiding pl- pain. Yeah. It's finding a way to eat it all and say, this is what the fuck we're doing. Yeah. That's not to say you delight in your suffering, but you don't go like, that's why I say, where are you going? You're going home. I'll be happy when I'm watching Netflix. Yeah. I'll be happy when I'm eating ice cream. And this is a paraphrase of a Ramdas point. If I could get some ice cream, if I get some water, if I get a walk, if I get some coffee. All the while, 
you weren't there. You mm-hmm. were skimming on the surface of your own life. Mm-hmm. In a movie, you ever have this thought while you're watching a movie? Ah, I'd love to watch a movie. <laughs> you're watching a movie. Yeah. I had that all the time. Yeah. And if you could just surrender to it, that's what calms my anxiety. But I'm glad that you asked. I've never felt more seen by a friend, to be honest, because I have a great amount of peace and I'm in the freedom business and in the peace business for myself and for others if they can, if they enjoy what I enjoy. Yet, still wake up. Valerie is familiar with it. I'm just like, it's just one of those days where the dread is there and the, yeah. it, it manifests usually in food or, or maybe alcohol. Uh, you know, if I'm going to really, if I'm really low. And, and, and but, I, and I guess it's sort of where, where is it? Um, when are you going to be satiated when you just did an HBO special and an HBO series yeah. based on your life? And both were really wonderful and well-received. Yeah. And wh- where, where do, when you wake up, what do you think? I, what do I have to do? Do you, do you have that, a burning sense of, I have to do another thing to get rid of the anxiety? Yeah, or think, just in general. I think that's the obsession with the spiritual game. Is is the it's so fun with the show and the special and stuff that I really do feel it. It's not lost on me. That's something I say to Judd all the time. I'm not the suffering artist. It's mm-hmm. like, but why isn't it a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes? I can put that to the side and rest in the hammock of we made the show we set out to make. Mm. Like we didn't fuck up. We, yeah. we did it the way we wanted it to do. So I don't have anxiety about that as it's a, much. It's a rickety hammock. Uh, it is, but it's got a <laughs> grit, kind of like an indie grit. The anxiety that I have is more, you know, oh my God, we, I'm going to die. Like I'm going to find out what it's like to die. Sure. Every, everyone I know is going to die. Basic stuff. You know do, you, I mean? do you think that you're uh, proposing to Val... Um, in some ways was an extension of you felt a, a completion of a certain part of goals in your life yeah. and you felt like I'm comfortable enough with myself to share the rest of my life with this other person. Absolutely. When I was married, my, my ex and I used to go up to Woodstock, New York. It was one of the places we'd just make a day of it and drive up and eat and basically just go home. And we love it. And we, I, I still love it. I've been there since. It's crazy. Driving through and I'd look at the coffee shops I used to go with my ex and yeah. stuff. With a great fondness. It taught, that's, a, that's a level of maturity. Not like broken heart. Just like, I remember going here with my ex. We and, were in that hood for Melanie's wedding. That's what it was. That's oh, a, that's what it was. It was on the way back from Melanie's because, wedding. Well, you know, the, I, was mentioned, I meant to say this earlier. When you pitched me the series, it was driving back from Melanie's wedding. That's right. Right around that time. Oh, my God. There you go. That's very interesting. But I remember, and this is a flare-up of ego, and it's a little bit grotesque, but it's true. We looked at houses in in Woodstock. It was crazy. We had no money. It was just going to be 100%. Let's ask my parents to see if they'll help (laughs) us. 100%. And there's a kind of quiet humiliation reserved for those lucky enough to have well-off parents where you're just like looking at a house and you're like, He's talking to me like I'm going to pay for this. Right. By the way, my parents wouldn't have done that. I don't think they could have done that. It was sort of a fantasy. It was a fantasy. Yeah. But we're looking around houses, so we're looky-loos, basically. Yeah. And we looked at this house, and then the, the realtor, who I still remember, who was really great, he goes, uh, that one's Uma Thurman's house. He points to Uma Thurman's yeah. house. Because this one's for sale. And I said to my ex, and again, <laughs> a glimpse into who I am probably informed her leaving, I was just like, I don't want to move to Woodstock until they go, that's Pete Holmes's house. Oh, my God. I know. 
I appreciate you I know. admitting that I story. I said it was grotesque. That story is painful. It's painful and it's grotesque. So that they say that's Pete Holmes's house. Oh my god. I I always say like But Mike No, no, no I, I I can't apologize. That was an honest feeling. <laughs> and it's I don't really, want you to apologize. No, but it's really embarrassing. <laughs> it I'm is embarrassing. You, it's but not easy for me you, to I share. I appreciate you saying that because I But it's like white hot drive to put your yeah. dick in the earth and you and i sweet guys like us we have to <laughs> reconcile the fact that there's something in us that goes i don't want to fucking go up to woodstock and just sit on the porch i can't do it well here's what i'm i'm convinced of this i'm convinced that i'm closer to doing it now we have a porch now in the last <laughs> in the last couple of years i've become convinced that that the thing that drives performers or artists of any kind uh to do the thing that they, they're doing creatively in the first place is what you're describing, which is like, look at me, I'm special, I'm a thing. And then if, you're, if you do it long enough, you're lucky enough to realize that that's not what it's about. That's right. And isn't that the spiritual journey that's as well? That's the spiritual journey yeah. that, that I've had where, where you, you, you're like, I got to be a famous comedian. And then, and then you get to be... 35 or now I'm 38 and you go no no I got to be a good comedian it's funny and, I, and actually the famous thing kind of falls away and you go I actually don't want to be famous I, I, I uh, did, that's kind of getting in the way of me living and existing and observing the world give me the fortune keep the fame um, <laughs> who I says think, that I think that's most deaf or common um or Talib Kweli. Uh, I have to make sure I remember to say uh, Chris Gethard's question okay but, but go ahead I want to I want to do that I, we, Jed and I, for part of the promotion, did an event at Google, and a young lady asked about being an open micer and what, how to be a successful one and when to quit her job and all mm-hmm. that sort of stuff. And I, because I'm with you, I'm this guy now reporting on that guy there. Yeah, yeah. And that guy then was, was wrong, but I admire his belief in himself. Yeah. That's what I admire is that, like, it's not about the house. Neither of us are flashy people or like i got we got to go to that party or be seen yeah or like i'm gonna try and get a part in the in this movie so i can get my profile up or whatever it is we're we're guys you've taught me this you're one of the people that taught me this what the fuck are we doing on this earth so what i said to that woman and i quoted you that what are we doing on this are we really on this earth (laughs) to become successful to become a part of the woodstock real estate tour is that i don't think uma thurman thinks that's the point either Mm -hmm. by the way and I said to her, I was like, you're already there. That's the question. Where are you going? You're already there. You're going and doing open mics and you're kicking around the rock and you're struggling. But there you are doing something that hopefully is fulfilling in some mm-hmm. way. How many stories do you need to hear about you and I or anybody looking back on the early years of stand-up? We were there. Mm-hmm. We were there. And we had that something that I really try to keep hold hands with is that beautiful ambition not to be better than or or more successful than or richer than but to be to fill out the suit to be authentically yourself and and to discover yourself absolutely and sometimes i think about this which is like you know it's like in some ways what you know art this podcast we're doing right now or your act or my act or our shows or our movies or whatever it is is not in service of of sort of us or itself, but of the next person mm. who's going to come along, who's 15 or 16 right now listening right. to this, who's going to make something that, 
truly does change the world for right. a century to come. That's wisdom. But that's also spiritual. It's the, what a, I'm kind of paraphrasing a Richard Rohr thing, what a ingenious place to hide truth and grace, in, but in an, uh, a grotesque expression of drive. Mm-hmm. Like Pete was maybe not after the right thing or didn't have the right way to phrase it, but it was still the real deal deep down. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What, it's kind of what crashing is about. It's like in doing it wrong, we learn to do it right sort of thing. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I love those things. So there's Pete going like, I want to have one of these houses. I want to be part of the tour. He's wrong, but he's right in his wrongness. Yes. That's what I love. That's what gets my, my dick hard is I, you're like beautifully wrong. I also beautifully like, wrong. I like where the wisdom comes from in the show. It comes from secret places. Your mom has some wisdom. Yeah. Leaf, that's ha- Le- Leaf has some wisdom. Also Judd's These idea. characters who you think are a little stocky in, in the fir- in the fir- on first glance. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, there's actually wisdom everywhere. That's right. In some ways, there's wisdom everywhere except Pete, which I, which I really admire. That's right. And you know what uh, Janet Leahy, who did this podcast, who was a Mad Men writer, said the thing that's nice about Pete is that he needs the most help and he's trying to give help. Mm-hmm. That's what I think makes him somewhat compelling. But then he's also the guy that has a lot to learn and he's learning it from a lot of unlikely places. Yes. And this is the story. This is meeting Yoda. This fucking three foot weirdo bat creature is going to teach me how to lift my X-wing out of the fucking swamp. Yeah, that's what it is. How many ways can they reframe it and retell it before you realize at Thanksgiving you should fucking talk to your grandfather? <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Get past the racism, and he's probably got some good gems in there. Mm-hmm. But that that it's not the perfect smile celebrity that's going to necessarily touch your your heart. It's the weird guy that got kicked out of the movie premiere that you should ask to get a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What's Gethard's? So, I'm intrigued. So Gethard um, was pointing out that he was your improv teacher. Yeah. And um, by the way, his one man show is phenomenal. It's great. Uh, uh, career career suicide, suicide, which is coming out on HBO, I think in a couple months. I can't wait. I'm so great. proud. Um, I met Pete as his improv teacher. His notes were always basically, you are funnier than everyone else. Slow down. <laughs> Was that a frustrating waste of his time and money? No. And also, did that experience help his future in any way? Pete was already so good at stand-up by the time he got to me at UCB, and I was always slightly confused as to what he was hoping to get out of it. (laughs) That's a very Gethard question. That's a very sweet question. It's a sweet question, yeah. My God. I First, thanks, Chris. Secondly... I, I loved doing improv class. I've taken 101 at like four different theaters. Have you really? Yeah, Improv Asylum, I.O., The Playground. I didn't take classes at The Playground. Second City, I did... Uh, oh, wow. No, I didn't do Second City. I'm trying to remember. There were four. I'm, be- I'm shooting you straight. So I've taken a lot of 101s, and I love them all. And this is going to be a cocky answer. But even if it seemed simple, mm-hmm. it was very nice to be good at something. Yeah. And that was the exercise. It was also, I did learn a lot from it. Like, I still think of Lennon Parham, who I was doing a scene where I was playing a witch doctor. Were you in class with Lennon? Yeah, she was my level two teacher. And, you know, Zach oh, she's Woods. she's brilliant. And Zach, Zach's brilliant, too. Zach Woods was my level one. Oh, my gosh. Zach Woods, Lennon Parham, It was Parham, a good era of UCB. Amazing. Holy cow. And Gethard, he knows this, was amazing because he, he would shoot straight. 
he would really. Oh yeah, Chris. Chris doesn't uh, mince doesn't, words. Yeah, yeah. And after seeing fools. career suicide, I was like, oh, you were going through some stuff. Like, yeah. And so was I. Yeah. And we really felt like a soul connection. We were both suffering in this weird way, but I got a lot out of it. Just doing it, just doing daytime comedy felt good. Like 3 p.m. Thursday in a weird hot classroom felt really good. And it's all, I still remember scenes we did. I still remember exercises we did. I mean, like lines from them, because that's how important it was. You start to feel like a little comedy businessman (laughs) that has his briefcase and he gets on the subway and he gets in an elevator, not to brag, and he does, and he does. And he does comedy during the day. It's like this, it's, it's not like the secret, but it's like you start seeing a life where like, yeah, I do comedy during the day. I do comedy at night. I do comedy all the time. Right. Yeah. It's like, I think about like Drew Carey pre Twitter and stuff when email was new, he'd just email jokes back and forth with a friend, just one joke per email back and forth all day. Anything that gets you. No kidding. Really? In that space. Yeah. That's cool. Isn't that fun? Wait, when I was curious when, when you're in when you proposed to Val, and oh, that was your other question. We'll be, yeah. yeah, we'll be at your wedding, Jen, uh, Jen and Una, and I will be at your wedding this fall. No kids, just kidding. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent getting your I was, face. I was just thinking that through. Like, <laughs> like, is there such a thing as no kids at weddings? People do no kid weddings. Oh, they do all no kid time. weddings. Yeah. We're, we're a kid. We're a kid wedding. Fuck it. We're a dog. Was wedding. Mal- yeah? There's no kids at Mulaney's wedding. Was it's it pretty no standard to have a no kid policy? Yeah. Past couple of weddings I've been to have been no kids. I like the kids. That's the whole point. You see the kids and the old people, and you go, "Here we are." Yeah, circle of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how I feel about it. That's. I that's, feel like it should be all ages. I agree. That's the liturgy where I think we're starting for that ceremony. That go like that guy's ninety and that one's nine months. That's that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. When we all lived on like a rolling slope, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh we yeah. We had that every day. Well, all do day. you view marriage? It, as a religious sacrament, having gone through your journey? I look at it as a beautiful uh, metaphor, like something where two people are, are loving some third thing. It feels sort of divine in that way, that you share a space with that person. Rob Bell's book, The Zimzum, Rob and Kristen Bell, excuse me, their book, The Zimzum of Love, talks about that, that it's two people. There's a Robert Bly poem that we're going to read at our wedding that really sums up how I feel about marriage and that commitment. And it even has a line in it where it's like, death will come, parting may come. It's like very real. It's not like a Disney poem, mm-hmm. but it has a lot of like... Oh, I um, hate that Disney poetry. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be fine. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that one. But there's something about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> you know that one. You can fly, 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 you can fly. It's a cut to fly. me at Disneyland's gift shop being like, I'm looking for the poetry book. <laughs> They're like, oh, we don't have poetry books. I don't know what you thought this was. There's some. Here's the better answer. I was shocked. I was hoping you'd give me the better answers all the way through. Oh, my God. Sometimes I have to think of them <laughs> while I'm giving you the shitty answer. <laughs> Let me put you on hold. <laughs> you won't even know you're on hold, but you are. <laughs> As I'm talking, I'm thinking. Um, when I got engaged to Valerie, Val and I have lived together for almost two and a half years right here in the house. Um, why did it feel so good to give her a ring that she picked out? Like there was no like relief that she liked it or relief that she said yes. Why did it feel so good to publicly in front of a hot air balloon guy pledge my love and life to her and have her say yes and put on a piece of jewelry 
why for six days, and I used to hate people like this, did I feel, and I still do, but I really felt for six days it was very palpable, felt like a spell had been broken. I really did. And nothing had changed. We still live together. We still treat each other the same. I've always thought of her as my partner. You know what I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. like I flipped a switch. Well, now it's forever. So I better do yeah. the dishes. Nothing changed. But there was a ceremony. And there was something about planning a party and telling our friends, come and see us and, and, and getting uh, Rob Bell to come do the ceremony. And, and Did you do the traditional thing where you asked her parents? Or no, I didn't. No. Val's a, do you see that embroidery over there that says feminist? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's the answer right yeah there. yeah is i think i, I didn't I, do it either i really love her dad. I, I i don't I, I don't that that's a part of the the ritual that i, I i've never quite bought into well it definitely goes this back whole thing to of the like, like your, can bartering. i have your daughter from your dad it, it just feels weird what what i think the way to maybe scratch our need for those sorts of steps along the way but do it in a respectful way might be to tell both parents your intentions, you know. Yeah, I, mean? I agree. I agree because there is something, especially when you're a, so as not to land us in the Middle Ages squarely. Right. I don't want to barter yeah. with a goat and a chest filled with papers and some recipes. <laughs> yeah. Do you do Do you have advice? Sometimes I get frustrated on uh, uh, podcasts and things where people talk about this is my comedy crew, this is what my wife, you know, this is my fiance, this is blah blah blah, and it feels a little Instagrammy. Uh huh. Feels a little like things are great here. Like, right. What, you know, well, that's why what, I said I used you, to hate people like that. Would you have advice for someone who's out there listening who hasn't found their vow yeah. in their life or hasn't found their vocation? Yeah, that's a great one. That's really, I, I also, before I answer that, I do want to offer that, and I've told Val this, after we got my, engaged. My, sh- my show is streaming on HBO Go. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Thou knows this. I would have. I did feel like a spell had lifted, and then, like after six days or something, I started really. The way that I phrase it to Val is, I don't want to think of myself in fifty years doing anything. I don't even want to pledge my life to comedy. Like a hundred percent, get the law involved, get witnesses and notaries involved. Pete Holmes will be doing stand up when he's eighty-seven. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's a tricky game to play. Like, with a lot of certainty, I think I'll still be in love with comedy. I'm almost 100% positive, but Mm -hmm. I don't want to think about it. Mm -hmm. So the bit that I kind of came up with out of this anxiety that I expressed to her, and she's just she is love, so she just totally had no problem with it. I was like, it's like getting your... I told you. It's like getting your friends and family together to watch you make a bet on your relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that's a little bit wrong. That was my first thought, and that's what was giving me anxiety. Was It uh, it felt performative. It felt like, come watch us. Place your bets. Are we going to make it or not? Who knows? Gossip about it while we're dancing. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And now I've shifted that to going... With the help of a lot of comedian friends that we have that are married, Greg Fitzsimmons talked about this. He's like, just like with comedy, it changes. Your wife is going to change. You're going to change. And you find this dance of change together. And to go to that cliche, it's like sharing your life with somebody. It's not like we're hitting pause and we're going to be like this forever. We're going on the journey together. Mm-hmm. We both have our little Frodo backpacks and we're going through green pastures, you know? So you're going to answer the question? 
Yes, I will answer the question. My advice to people who haven't found that... While you were stalling. No, that wasn't a stall. I wanted people to know that I also had that anxiety, that even though I've never had a single doubt about Val, I had doubts and have doubts about marriage from time to time. Like a little twinge in your stomach where you go, shit, where, you know, I got burned before, but fuck that. You don't have to be divorced to go... This seems crazy. Yeah. Like Leo Allen used to have the bit, would you jump out of a plane with a parachute if they said there was a 50% chance of it opening? Right. And he's right. Just in the same way the atheist is right that the piece of paper isn't music. Do you understand? Yeah, of course. None of it makes any sense. Yeah, it's a leap of of faith regardless of anything. That's right. Um, And I would... I'll partly answer your question for you because you're dodging it. I'm not Uh, dodging it. I'm ready to talk. Well, two years ago... We were in Australia together yeah. for three years ago. Melbourne. Melbourne? I think it was three years. Yeah, I think three years ago. It's been two and a half and It was years. pre-Val. Yeah, pre-Val. Well, it must have been and more then. It might have no, been four it was years Val. ago. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. It was during Val. I didn't, want to, I didn't know what to disclose. No, I, had, I, was, I had sex a couple times with some people, <laughs> but it was because it was early on and Val and I weren't exclusive yet. Yes, and, uh, but I have this distinct memory uh, and Jen and I laugh about it sometimes of walking on this plane to Australia and you on Vicodin. Because I was just in a car accident. You were yeah. in a car accident, sort of holding court, like like standing up on an airplane, like doing bits, like I loudly. Facing you guys. Facing us, but like yeah. facing everyone. For the lounge. For the, uh, yeah. for the business class yeah. lounge. And... <laughs> And you, and then on the trip, you, you know, seem to be meeting a lot of people, socializing, being I a very single man. I, I had, I'll tell you, I had sex with two people on that trip. That's a lot. Is it? For one trip? Katie, <laughs> survey says. How long we were there? We were there for like three we and a half weeks. We were there for a week. No, we were there for at least, I was there for longer than a week. Okay. So were you. It was we were there for than a week. We were there for nine days. Michael Shea, he wouldn't mind me saying, fucked someone every night. You mean someone different? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, yes, I, I, this was that time of my life. So that's, <laughs> that, so that's the person I'm asking this question to. That guy? Yeah. I'm asking that to give advice to people out there who are living that, which is... This sort of like they're wandering, they're crashing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. They're trying to figure out what's going on. They haven't found their vow. Uh, they're maybe hooking up with people randomly in situations that is not necessarily satisfying. Not saying that that wasn't for you. Yeah. What would be your advice for those people? To find vows and find profit, their, their job? How, how do you do that? Yeah. You know, I, I was, Val and I were stoned the other day, and I said to her, <laughs> I said, people need to follow the dream that's also following them that's the fir- that's the second one we'll get to the vowel one you get feedback you know this you get cues i'm not talking about everybody has moments where they go like i don't know if i've got it mm-hmm. but that's not it's not always going to give you like a definitive got it in what, got it in what sense like got what it takes you know you have so, a bad set and you suddenly feel like what am i doing here right but in a non-comedy sense what it what does got it mean um, I that don't I have it. Well, I have to imagine. Well, we we should pick another profession if you want to be a writer or or you want to be or whatever it is. You need to like listen 
to what it feels like when you're writing, what it feels like when people give you feedback, what it feels like every step of the way because there's a harmony. It's like you're making one note. And then when you find the thing you're supposed to be doing, it's like, and it sounds great together. I see a lot of people that go, I want to be a comedian because I love comedy. And then when they get on stage, it's, and you know what I mean? You need to find the thing that harmonizes with, because there is. It's, Mm -hmm. and that might be writing. It might be photography. Who fucking knows? It might be to, uh, there's a great um, Zen pencils cartoon about the guy it's about success about the guy who works uh you know 9 to 5 or whatever it is job and at night draws comic books and like that's his bliss like but, he But when that. did you know that about Val? About now we're going to Valerie? Yeah, how did you know when did you know that when did you know that the harmony was taking place? Well, you know, you want to talk about the psychological needs that we build through our lives and what we understand love to be. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you take what your animus what is the manifestation of love to you and you project it out into the world and then you look for that. And then when I, so for me with Valerie is there have been time and time again, opportunity for her to shame me. I hate being shamed. Everybody does shamed. You've done something wrong. You admit it, but they rub it in Mm. shamed or, um, drama where there doesn't need to be drama. Yeah. All of these things really remind me of my youth. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> and they remind and that's what pain is to me. Oh, that's interesting. So love is I'll give you a great example. So we're at Largo. Glenn Hansard is on stage. Wow. It's me and Glenn. Oh my god, really? It's the Pete Holmes and Glenn Hansard show. Oh my god. Basically, I would have loved to have seen that. It was amazing. One of the best nights of my life. You set it up? Flanny did cuz he's a, a generous gracious Unbelievable. beautiful man from Belfast. Wow. So basically I'm just opening. I'm just going to do a half sure. hour then uh Glenn's going to sing. So backstage Val is a singer. See all the stuff that's her looping machine, mm-hmm. that's her ukulele. All this stuff is Val. She fills this house with music. That's another thing that I find very important is that she's beautiful. I don't just mean physically. I mean, she creates beauty for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's huge to me. So we go to Largo and we're backstage and Glenn's playing his guitar and he's rehearsing this Leonard Cohen song called Passing Through. And then he says to me, Pete, do you want to sing a verse? Of course, my heart heart drops mostly out of anxiety, also excitement. And of course, I'm, I'm not stupid. I say, yes, of course. So he's like, oh, cool, cool, cool. Then <laughs> this is the part of the story where I'm good. I go, Valerie is an amazing singer. And she is. She's just gorgeous. And she's also a little bit shy. So I go, Valerie has an amazing voice. Can she please sing one as well, if that's okay? He's like, oh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> so he's writing out my verse. He's writing out her verse. We rehearse it. My manager has a video of us in the green room singing, passing through with Glenn Hans. Amazing. Val is nailing it. You know, she's not singing scared. She's singing well. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Then the show's happening. So we know that's going to happen. Val's nervous the whole night that we're going to sing this song with him. To be honest, I'm nervous the whole night, too. I don't yeah. want to be like, passing through. I don't want to fuck it up. Yeah. I like doing well. It's actually one of the things that keeps me in a cage sometimes, is I should be more open to failing at this point in my career. Anyway, so we're sitting in the wings. Glenn is just crushing it. It's me, Val, and our friend Annie. Annie's kind of going through a thing, so we're really enjoying it, like getting emotional. We're, we're like holding each mm-hmm. other and crying a little bit. It's beautiful. Then Glenn starts playing the opening riff of Falling Slowly. 
And I remember very vividly, we're sitting there and I'm like, oh, I didn't think he was going to play Falling Slowly. What a treat. Mm -hmm. He turns to us and goes, do you want to sing it with me? Oh my gosh. And I go, me? It's dun, 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 dun. <laughs> We're at that point. It's time to start singing. And I oh go, me? He doesn't respond. And I go, do you mean me? Oh my gosh. He doesn't say anything again. <laughs> I swear to you, this is how it went. So I stand up. It's the Glenn and Pete show. I stand up and I walk out onto the stage and everyone's cheering because I'm making like a hammy face. Like, what the fuck is my luck that I get to sing Falling Slowly with Glenn? We sing the fuck out of the song. It's amazing. Really belting it out, hitting the falsetto in case you were worried. <laughs> and like, it's so worried. It's like funny too. Like, I'm doing kind of bits with it. I'm kind of like grabbing the mic in a cocky way and taking parts just for myself. He's laughing. The whole audience is laughing. We finish the song. We've still got time. Oh my gosh. I'm forgetting lyrics. He's cueing me in. It's just magic. The song ends. Everyone's cheering. They really loved it. Uh, I sound like Trump. They loved it. It was beautiful. <laughs> but it, it seemed like a great piece of the show. And then he goes into the mic. He goes, I meant Val. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I meant Valerie, the woman that I love more than myself, who's trying to be a singer, who, you know, who is a singer, to our point, is a singer, Yeah, could have sung Falling Slowly with Glenn Hansard. My dick goes inside my body, to quote Eric Andre. I'm just, it's very funny though, because everybody's watching in real time right. me realizing. Oh, no, of course, yeah. And I go, shit, I sang the Mar part, Marquetta. Yeah. He's laughing. Everyone's laughing. It's a great piece of comedy. Yeah. But I'm, I will say, devastated. I'm a little bit devastated. Right, because you just did the thing. I did the thing that I wish. All the way through. And I wish I could have seen Val do it. Yeah. Right? So then. Val comes out. She even does some bits about it. We're laughing. And Mike, this is why you marry Val. I wasn't afraid that she was going to rub my face in my shit. Not only that, I, I felt the appropriate amount of like, I wish I had given that to you. And I said that to her. I was like, I'm so humiliated. She was like, what are you talking about? She goes, I am you. You are me. You sang it. We sang it. Like, but really believing that. Like, we're a team. I got to watch you sing with Glenn Hansard. I keep saying Hansard, Hansard. And she was like, it was one of the sexiest things I've ever seen. It was amazing. I'm so proud of you. But you and I, I think we read people well, right? I'm not picking up any, let me just push down my disappointment at all. She was just happy that the next song we sang, she did get to sing with Glenn. Everyone cheered. It was just the positive. So as much as I can have things together and as much as I can have kind of well-thought-out philosophical answers about the mystery of the universe, somewhere deep inside, I am the fat kid in eighth grade. You know what I mean? I'm the sweaty hand, weird haircut, ill-fitting T-shirt with boobs kid who's afraid and keeps tripping when he tries to dance. You know what I mean? He needs protection. And I can go out and convince people for bursts at a time that I'm solid, but that kid's still in there. And when I do something like that, nobody knows this, by the way. I think Glenn and Val just thought it was funny. I'm him again. I'm wearing a hypercolor shirt and I'm at the dance and my voice is cracking and my braces have rubber bands and I, my acid wash jeans, <laughs> it's just a terrible scene. Val sees that guy and still says, I love you. 
You know what I mean? That's sweet. I don't need someone to love me at my best. Yeah. You want to talk about cocky Pete? I want a house Pete. I go, I'm good. I have, thankfully, fans and weirdos that will love me when I'm crushing it and even love me in some of the vulnerable stuff that we share on the podcast. But Val takes that and, and even further. I said to her, it was like, I've never put my hand on her while we're sleeping, four in the morning, anxiety, not attack, but let's flare up. I'm having anxiety. I'm going to die. I said something on the podcast. They're going to take away their love. My mom's going to hate when she sees the show, whatever it may be. I've never put my hand on Valerie when she's sleeping and not had her take it. (laughs) That's why, Val, I I haven't helped yet with what you do to find the Val, but I will say that it helped that we were long distance. It helped me like soften my heart because I was in that kind of whoring, I mean me, period, where I was just kind of sowing oats. And then I start seeing Val long distance, and that lasted for a year or more. And that lowered my guard. So something that I never... I had a definite instant attraction to her, but we were playing it kind of casual. Like I said, I'm in Australia having sex with other people. How committed could it have been? We were still casual. But because I filed it in my head under casual, instead of going into something going you're able to let go exactly yeah and when so, you let go is when it snuck up on you that's the advice is to let go instead like i'm saying to myself about looking down the barrel of marriage don't look 50 years down the road where yeah. are you going where are you going tonight where are you Be going here. in the morning yeah love her right now right now yeah and th- and so if you go out with somebody and they meet those the other thing i love is tony robbins has that exercise where you write out a Christmas wish list of a person. Whenever I meet single people and they're like, what do I do? I'm like, do this Tony Robbins exercise. Write down the most selfish, honest list of what you're looking for in a person. And I really mean get shallow with it. Hair color, breast size, dick size, whatever you're after. Get into it. Write it out. And once you have like 50 things, kind would be one for me. Honest, supportive, um, compassionate, all these things. Then circle the ones that are musts. I think that's such a great exercise. If you're just tuning in, I'm Mike Birbiglia. I'm hosting You Made It Weird. Our ho- our guest today is Pete Holmes, the Tony Robbins of comedy. <laughs> and uh, I think that's, uh, that's all the time we have. Pete, thank you so much for doing this. <laughs> I am not your guru. Um, that's, that's good. The Tony Robbins documentary. Oh, I know. Are you I'm wrapping sorry. up? Yeah, I think we should wrap up. I, wa- I want to thank you on behalf of fans of you and fans of comedy uh, for making this series and giving yourself to it. I really love it. I really appreciate that. And thank you for helping with it. And I really can't wait for people to have seen the whole season. Yeah, me too. That's when I less, I'll be more uh, uh, gregarious with discussing specific things in episodes. Yeah. Well, we'll do that off mic now. I can't wait to hear what you think, but um but tune in. People should watch. Go to HBO.com to, to watch the first episode for free. And then why not just, uh, I think now on HBO, you, you can, can get without getting cable, you can just yeah. do a month of HBO now. Of HBO now. Yeah. yeah, so you you could be tuning in for maybe two months and then un- unsubscribe. It would probably cost you 20 bucks. Yeah, right? Yeah. And that's... Yeah, what's that? And then also just, you know... Don't eat for a week. That's what I'm saying. Don't eat for a week. That's so funny. Your, your seven-year-old doesn't need to have a school lunch. 
Um, I thought you meant my inner seven-year-old. Maybe too dark. Um, Too on the nose. But but, but people should seek out the series because it's really special. It's really personal. And I feel like a a wonderful, if if you like this podcast, a beautiful actualization um, of what you express on this podcast in a different uh, form. Again, that I, and without without repeating anything, there's nothing repeated from the podcast that's in the series. Uh, just rather, it feels like a riff on themes from the podcast. And that's Judd too. Yeah, you know he's really good at taking like all this stuff that I spout. He kind of loves to tease me about it because without him, the show could have been obviously heavy-handed or overly philosophical or or come off as pretentious or whatever it may be and he's so good at taking the good moments and leaving to the side the ones that were just me quoting ramdas or whatever yeah there is one thing in the pilot where pete says at gmail and that's a reference to the brian regan story but even that that's adjacent i go at gmail he goes at gmail at gmail that's a little one for the weirdos yeah i like also how a lot of episodes call back to other episodes. Is that true? Yeah, there's a lot of jokes referencing <laughs> jokes from earlier episodes, which makes it fun. See, I can't wait to talk even more about it because being in it, the 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 kind of old trope is true. You're too in the forest, to, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees sort of thing. Yeah. So I have so little perspective on it. Even the way that people are responding to the pilot, some of the things, or, or the not necessarily the pilot, some of the things that I'm like, I wasn't sure about that become everyone's favorite part. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, Apatow. Mm, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's really, that's why I, I can't say it enough. That's why it's such a privilege to work with him because you can just go in and you could have a scene that you really loved about Pete going to a barber and trying to get a sexy haircut. And he's just like, what if Pete takes scuba lessons and you're just like, okay, if it was anyone else, you'd be like, what? Yeah. But the certainty, there's not a lot of people who have his kind of numbers. That's right. But also just his instincts. You see them constantly. It's like when, yeah, it's like if you took a batting lesson from Ted Williams, exactly, you're going to want to listen. The science of comedy. (laughs) Um, I think we should uh, thank, Thanks for listening Well you have to ask me To say keep it crispy uh, We're going to need you To say one thing Before we go Is that alright? I don't understand Well it's this thing we do What does it mean? Um, we say keep it crispy It doesn't matter It's kind of a One of those meaningless things Where people say a thing And you just have to say it You can say it however you want Okay So I say keep it I say keep it crispy Yeah however you want Okay It's fucking stupid Keep it Keep it crispy. Oh, God. <laughs> Could you just do it another time? I- Keep it crispy. Hey. That, that's going to do it. <laughs> that's going to do it. Drop the mic. Thank you, Mikey. I'm so crispy. I'm so crispy. My ice can make you want to get me. Now leaving Nerdist.com.